This is The Reprise, a Young Artists of America podcast. I'm your host, Adima Essien, and today's guest is theater director Noah Himmelstein. Let's start our chat. Hi, Noah. Hi, Adima. It's wonderful to see you. Yes, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Now, I don't know if you know this, but you are technically our first ever non-alumni guest on the podcast. So we're truly thrilled to have you. I'm honored. I do feel like an, I'm an alum. You know, I've done several projects now. That's true. IA. We've collaborated together. So mm-hmm. very happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So the first question that I like to jump in and ask people is how you first were introduced to the arts. So I grew up in Baltimore and my parents took me to the Mechanic Theater, which is no longer there. It's now the Hippodrome. Oh. And they took me to see Peter Pan with Kathy Rigby. And they also took me to see Les Mis. Mm. And I was probably four or five years old. And the running joke in my family was, he can't sit through dinner, but he can sit through Les Mis. <laughs> wow. Okay. Five or six a three and a half hour musical. So I was very, very lucky that my parents very early on exposed me to the arts. In first grade, my dad took me out of school for the day to see the Matisse exhibit at uh, MoMA in New York, mm-hmm. uh, an incredible precious artist that I was really interested in when I was younger. And uh, looking back on it, and when I meet especially young people, I realize how incredible, what the incredible support I had and encouragement and people opening my eyes to the arts. And then I found acting and directing and theater, and here we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to sort of pinpoint on the directing because, of course, that's majority what you do now. So just because I feel like there aren't a lot of opportunities always for young people to like be interested or get exposed to directing, how did you find yourself in that? Yeah, that's a great question. I went to Emerson College in Boston, and I was a theater studies major, which was not a BFA. Theater studies meant you could pick the classes that you wanted and kind of create your own major within the arts. Mm -hmm. And I mostly focused on acting. I went to Carver Center in Towson, Baltimore, Mm -hmm. acting prime. And when I got there, uh, some teachers were sort of recommending I take directing classes because of my interest in dramaturgy and my interest in all of the facets of storytelling, not just the focus on my own voice and my own body. Mm-hmm. And so for a year, I started taking directing classes and really felt a whole kind of freedom in a, a holistic approach that I could kind of play all the parts, mm-hmm. build a story from the ground up with a group of artists and found that to be incredibly thrilling. So uh, I moved to the city shortly after that, and it was one experience after another. But it's true, there isn't really a formula for a young director. Mm-hmm. It is kind of a teaching position. So it is for a younger person, you know, to have that authority where people, even though you, if you have the confidence and you have the ideas, mm-hmm. uh, it does take a little while to sort of build that trust with others that just comes with time and experience. So I've been very fortunate that I got to assist some really amazing artists. I was an intern at a whole lot of places. I was an apprentice at a lot of places. So it's really special to me when I work with, mm-hmm. especially arts education programs, because I'm a part of those. And the theater is a passed down art form and it is live and it is about the interactions we, we have with each other in the room or wherever we have them. And that's what makes it so special and so ephemeral. Uh, and it everyone has a different path. Yeah, yeah. I sort of want to jump back into what you said about you technically being an alumni of Young Artists of America. For 
everyone listening, me and Noah have technically met before prior to this podcast interview. He was my director when I was in Young Artists of America with Children of Eden, and then later on throughout the pandemic with Into the Woods. So I'd love to start first with Children of Eden and sort of your approach to that and sort of how do you as a director approach different styles or works like between musicals, plays? Is there anything you specifically hone in on first in your process? Yeah. Uh, So Children of Eden was such a special piece. First of all, it's so big because it's literally Mm -hmm. act one is the story of Genesis and act two is the story of Noah and the flood. And it's like, well, how do you put that on stage? Mm -hmm. And I when I uh, when Rolando asked me about it, first of all, I was very very thrilled. It's a it's a magnificent piece. It's a piece that you that doesn't happen a lot because it takes so many resources and it's just frankly very expensive to do. Mm-hmm. But it's incredibly emotional and universal. And with any piece, you try to hone in on what you relate to. Mm-hmm. You can't think of it as like I'm going to put the Bible on stage. <laughs> I don't relate to the Bible. <laughs> I, you know, I I grew up. Jewish, you know, learning about it, but it doesn't affect my life every day. Mm -hmm. But you go into the relationships and you go into what was happening in the, I don't remember specifically, but this was spring of 2016 when we did it. Yeah. And I am. uh, I remember specifically really being inspired by the students and the auditions, which were several months before we started working and really building it around us. Mm -hmm. This is the right and sort of a kind of directing I spine that I hold on to is you have to create the thing that's right for this the moment you're working in, the time you're working in, the group of people you're working with. Mm-hmm. It does not need to and should not you should not try to make something that exists forever. It it will relate to everybody if you can make it that specific. And so I was really inspired by I remember you came in and you sang Little Women. <laughs> oh my gosh, you remember that? I remember that. I remember being really inspired by Ari and you and oh my goodness, all of the really fantastic, uh, Amanda, fantastic artists who came in and mm-hmm. I had a relationship still do with the, the author of that piece and talking with him about, and he came and worked with us, which was so incredible. Stephen Schwartz, mm-hmm. who wrote Wicked, of course, and Pippin. But in talking with him, he said, this is really a piece about family. It's a piece about community. Everything else is a prism to kind of explore those things. It should be about every family in the audience. It should be about Mm -hmm. children recognizing their parents are human and flawed. And the same, you know, as I'm in my mid-30s now, I'm seeing my parents get older, Mm -hmm. as I guess everybody does at some point. Mm -hmm. Finding those kind of ways in, because the words are the words. They'll always be about the Bible, but it underneath. Mm -hmm. And I remember we had wonderful discussions and wonderful scene work kind of unpacking those things. And... That was a really uh, a thrilling experience. And with, with YA, there was this huge, incredible orchestra. It was amazing. Yeah, I do. That's I'm so like taken back, but you actually remember my audition for that yeah. show. I like, wow. <laughs> and I think it's so, well, to put it into perspective, that was five, five-ish years ago when it was the fifth anniversary of YA. And now this year, well... Well, this year, this year is the 10th anniversary of Young Artists of America. And in the pandemic, you were able to come back and work with YA to do a production of Into the Woods. So I'd love to move into talking about that because that just sounds like such an interesting process, especially with all of the different challenges with yeah. the pandemic I mean, that I feel like people are Thank occurring. you. Yeah. 
looking back on that, which was a year ago this month, mm-hmm. oh wow, it's totally, it's totally bonkers that we did that. Mm-hmm. Rolando and Rolando is a crazy mad genius, mad <laughs> that we did. So into the what's so incredible into the woods, like Children of Eden, mm-hmm. is not about fairy tales. Really, it is about people. It is mm-hmm. about community. It is about survival. It is about what happens when things change. When when society shifts, when there is a, a reawakening. And that was literally mm-hmm. with the pandemic, with the social justice movement we're all experiencing, that was happening around us. Mm-hmm. So those are the conversations we had in N95s. We were outside the entire time at Symphony Woods over seven weeks mm-hmm. in the freezing cold, doing the most, one of the most incredible pieces of musical theater ever. Mm-hmm. It, it, was an, it was a remarkable experience. And we did it as a film. We did it as a movie which we didn't like do the stage show and then film it. Mm-hmm. We made, uh, we had a Jackie, our incredible stage manager, and I mapped out for months leading up to it. Okay, this scene is at night and this scene is at day, but this scene crosses into night. How are we going to continuity if his hair grows too long? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, how are we going to lip sync? You know, with we take our masks off and we're going to make sure that we're safe. They, we, they, they sent microphones to everyone at home mm-hmm. and they record, we worked on the scene work. They sent the microphones to everybody. They recorded their vocals. I would give them notes. They would record them again. Mm-hmm. We, would stage the, we would stage the scenes in like 18 different locations in the woods over seven weeks. Mm-hmm. They went from snow to spring while we were doing it. We were doing this piece about, about like waking up to life and your, your mother dying and how, how do you become a person and what happens when you when you realize the world is really really messed up and mm-hmm. and we were all experiencing that and we were all not all of us had vaccines yet it was mm-hmm. but the fact that we had that when we had it you know so many of these students had their high school shows canceled mm-hmm. yeah. so many people were pausing on going to college it kind of seemed crazy to like go study musical theater while the world is falling apart like that's what you're gonna go do mm-hmm. and yet that and. It was incredibly emotional for us. We like cried through it all every day. And then once it did feel a little safer to gather, Mm -hmm. you know, we did it in small groups throughout. Mm -hmm. So we do have a couple of 60 people, but we filmed it all tricks. We didn't have everyone together. Mm -hmm. June, when the weather was nice, we all gathered outside to watch it together. Mm -hmm. And we had a live experience of it. And it was like, oh, that really, that really was funny. And all the things that it was, it, it, it was theater, but it wasn't live for us, you know, we had a big sort of group chat one day and we said, is this theater? Hmm. And we ultimately said, it was. okay, but there wasn't the, there wasn't that laugh in the fifth row that impacted how you would deliver the next line. And there wasn't the fear of, I was really great last night. How am I going to hit that note tonight? Mm-hmm. The things that it live and why we do it, we were still thrilled to do it. We got to do many, many takes of each thing until we felt really great about it. Sometimes the sun would be setting and we'd lose the light and we'd have to move on. Sometimes a, a costume that we ordered from Amazon didn't come in on time, so we had to change mm-hmm. what we were shooting that day. It was endless sort of um, lessons in patience and going with the flow and being open to ideas because we had to be, mm-hmm. and because we um, we all were wor- we all were working at such a hard time. Everybody's everybody was so working so hard together because we were so we. We had gone through a year without theater mm-hmm. and realized how special it was to be doing it, even in a strange new capacity. 
that it was a really remarkable one of a kind process. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just hearing you talk about it, just all of those different factors that you had to deal with on like what I'm sure was a, like a daily basis, an hourly basis, who knows? Just sounds right because we, we didn't know if somebody had a cough that day. Oh, mm-hmm. should we should we not come tomorrow? You know, what again, it was really, really, really cold. And one other thing I want to just add is we use the woods so creatively. There's this beautiful amphitheater at Symphony Woods. Mm-hmm. And one side of it was Rapunzel's Tower. Another side of it was the steps for Cinderella. Mm-hmm. There's a, an abandoned house up the hill. One side of it was the Baker's house. One side of it was Little Red Riding Hood's house. Oh. It was just really wonderful. We had drones in the air for the giant. So it was 50 feet above us. Mm-hmm. There was a really remarkable crew that worked with us. And then Alicia Gamble, wonderful DC-based actor, was mm-hmm. our narrator. And we filmed that after the fact. Ah. And then we found a really wonderful way for her to enter the scene. And she comes into the space for children to listen and is extraordinary. I'm just very proud of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I s- sort of want to really touch upon your work with like children and youth because it seems like something that you're really passionate about. So, um, and then I also know for everyone listening, Noah also happens to be the associate artistic director of a theater in Baltimore, Everyman Theater. So with you like being a freelance director and then also like working as like a teaching artist in arts education, I'm very curious how you balance it all and sort of are able to pursue all of these different passions. Yeah. So so first, um, working with young people Mm -hmm. and young artists is so gratifying because especially young artists who are really interested in theater. I work with another organization called Broadway Dreams Foundation, Mm -hmm. which does incredible work on a national level. And the artists who come out of it really want to be there. You Mm -hmm. know, they are all the like the small group of kids from each high school who doesn't mean that they have to pursue it. It just means that they are really interested and their attention and they want to learn. When the, when the talent is that level and the focus is that level, like like in my, my two experiences and Children of Eden Into the Woods, mm-hmm. it's very, very gratifying to see the purity of when you've got like a really great text like those shows mm-hmm. with, with a young person who is not maybe jaded or has is going through their own sort of awakening in their lives as a teenager, that there is a purity in terms of the work mm-hmm. that is really so much of our work as, as older artists is to get back to the times in our life where we didn't have as much embarrassment and discomfort and fear around, will I be as good as I was last time? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, all of that stuff that we all go through, that that is really thrilling with young people who are going through a version of that because it's high school, mm-hmm. but our, their first instinct is often like incredible. Mm-hmm. And it's just about honing that into a craft so that they can access that and understand that and it be integrated into a narrative. Mm-hmm. And that, that is, that is wonderful. So I love, I love working with young people and I love, I have so many relationships with you, with, um, I, I met with just this morning, Danny Seligman, who was our mysterious man mm-hmm. uh, in Into the Woods. And I, there are a lot of, of folks from Young Artists and from Broadway Dreams that I stay in touch with and have become assistants of mine or I've cast in shows. And mm-hmm. it's a great thing for, for all of us to, to meet new folks. Um, in terms of all, wearing all different kinds of hats, I love that. I, it keeps 
my life and work completely fresh all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm very fortunate that even though I have a, a home base at Everyman, mm-hmm. which means that I have a, a salary mm-hmm. and I have expectations and people to report to. And I help along with Vinnie Lanchese, the artistic director, and Paige Hernandez, who's the co-associate artistic director with me. We, you know, we pick the season. We we are constantly looking to meet new artists and open the doors for people. That is really thrilling. But I also love having lots of different projects that require different things for me to learn, different people to work with. That to me is like the great benefit of this life I've chosen mm-hmm. is the variety mm-hmm. of it. And it all kind of feeds into the other. And I, I'm tr- I, you know, I, I did a show in Denmark a couple of years ago, a new musical. And so much of what I learned from that experience and that culture influenced something else mm-hmm. that I was on that was about Mexico. And it's like, how do those things connect? And it's like, oddly, there was some, there, there's a strange sort of cross-pollination in, in growing as an artist that mm-hmm. experience informs maybe indirectly and you meet the people along the way and everybody is sort of experiencing a transient lifestyle as an artist. Like mm-hmm. they don't know really where their next job is coming, but they're job is to be present and to be a vessel for some bigger idea. And that is very humbling and satisfying. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That, I mean, I find that very, for, for myself, I would say me being interested in so many different things, speaking to the conversation we had a little bit before we started recording, I think it is like really important. I think it is really cool how different experiences attribute to others and inform others and potentially craft like new ideas and inspire you. Yeah, and it makes you a richer person and a richer artist. Mm. And so when you, you know, the actors I love to work with, I actually, when I do auditions, I I spend a lot of the time talking with them Mm. as much as the actual year of 16 bars or whatever, because I want to know in the six weeks we're going to spend together. What other ideas can you bring into the room that I don't have that are not my experience? Mm. How are you going to deepen our work because it is a collaboration, because we're building an ensemble? So the most interesting people to me are the most well-rounded people in life, Mm -hmm. not just people who have a BFA and are incredible technical singers or Mm -hmm. whatever. So, yeah. Yeah. You have so many interests. It just, besides making you a, a better date at dinner, it just it, it, <laughs> it increases your your capacity to share yourself as an artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking about life and sort of next steps, because a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are younger students, people who are up and coming in the industry. I would love to ask you two different questions. One, what would you say is your best piece of advice to a young person who wants to become a director? To become a director, yeah, I mean, do everything. Like you, you, you. There's you can't, you shouldn't settle on any kind of methodology or style. You have to really be a sponge as you're growing. You know, travel as much as you possibly can, read as much as you can, go to the theater as much as you can. That's how you develop your own aesthetic. Like, what is your voice? Which is not, which is something I'm only just, I'm, I'm only discovering now as I kind of like look at the things I've done. I'm like, wh- what is the, th- what is the thing when they say, oh, that's a Noah hmm. thing? Or that's a, and that's happening now. People are like, oh, that's such a Noah gesture. Or that's such a Noah production. And I was like, what, what is that? And not something you need to decide on or I even need to worry about. But in order to craft a voice, you've kind of, you have to really open your mind. 
And the other thing, which is really for anyone in the arts, is self-care. And I, especially coming out of the pandemic, I really felt it during Into the Woods. And I remember having these conversations with artists, young young folks. There's just so, the world is so unbearable in so many ways. And we are, what we do is, is try to bring hope and try to process and, and understand and share and relate to that. Everybody needs some sort of, whether it's meditation, whether it's yoga, whether it's a breathing exercise they do, whether it's a certain kind of music that they always make time to listen to. You have to refill your glass in order to be of any use to anybody, but really to take care of yourself. And I think the pause in so many ways made people realize that 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 you know so many of the shifts that are happening in the American theater mm-hmm. are people saying, "Hey, wait a minute, I haven't paused and really processed. I'm tired." Mm-hmm. Or what's it all for? You know, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Is this serving me? Is it serving you? Are we better for this? Mm-hmm. And that came from reflection and from self-care. Mm-hmm. And so that's a really wonderful thing that wouldn't have happened had we not all collectively had to stop. Mm-hmm. And so my biggest thing is you need to find something and it should be specific to you, but that you always can return to that is not related to your social media, that's not related to your career, that's not related to your friends, but it's just for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. You kind of honestly touched upon the second question that I wanted to ask you, sort of moving out of this pandemic and sort of all, I feel like all of the social conversations that were happening around, well, that are still happening in theater. Where where do you feel like you come to play in that as like a director, as an artist? Like where do you see yourself moving? I feel, a huge, I feel a huge responsibility in it. If I'm entrusted to, to lead rooms, it's, it's even more important than my putting on a great show is making a room of great people mm-hmm. where people can feel transparent, safe, honest. First of all, that makes better work. Mm-hmm. But if people leave the end of the day feeling completely valued and they can be who they are in all facets or whatever that means, then that relates directly to week four in the run mm-hmm. when they have to, when they're not, when they have a stomach ache and they have to do the show, it will go back to, it always goes back to the process and how the room was built, whether they have the strength to do that or how that's going to happen or a discord that happens in the dressing room. So I feel a huge, huge responsibility at every man. We have a CARES committee mm-hmm. that my co-associate artistic director, Paige Hernandez, leads. And we meet every week uh, as a staff with board. It's every level. It's every department. It goes down to the ushers of the theater. And, you know, we're just looking at everything. Mm-hmm. Everything is grabs. Everything about, again, do we exist for the community we are in, in downtown Baltimore? Mm-hmm. Yes. For 30 years, we have, we have an extraordinary subscriber base and... We have a, a brand that we do incredible theater and we have incredible artists. But at the end of the day, who are we asking the right questions and are we improving the community and are we growing and are we looking toward the next 30 years? What, what, is, what is that audience going to be and who, do, who is valued and who feels part of it? And it's not just like who is on stage. Mm-hmm. It's every fabric of the machine. And I think being part of that... And it goes to everybody. It's not just like on a director level. Mm-hmm. It goes to production assistant. It goes to the assistant, to the assistant, to the marketing director, to the everybody has to buy in of this sort of greater vision. And that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. And 
there's some tensions and some friction right now, like anything that is bringing up, at least in my observations, bringing up, you know, trauma and, mm-hmm. and feelings and history. And, mm-hmm. but I think we've all realized the arts are not a bubble. The arts are part of our social makeup. They are part of who we are as people. And that's what makes them essential. And that's what makes them important. And that's what makes them, that's why they'll survive. And that's why people are going back to the theater. Mm-hmm. And the hard thing about the pandemic was we, we were all going through something horrible. And with the protests, we were all experiencing this, but we didn't have a room inside in the dark, sitting quietly to grieve and feel and come out the way they did in the times of Greek tragedy. Mm-hmm. You know, those were all pieces about war and people saying, my mother was killed in the war. Here's a play about it. Mm-hmm. So we were experiencing our own version of that. And now we're able to think, what are the pieces that can speak to our shared experience and lift us through it? Mm -hmm. So very powerful stuff. Yeah. How are you feeling about that? Where where do you feel like your role is as an artist and a thinker? Yeah. I mean, for, for myself, I feel like what I've learned in this pandemic, being in my, in especially thinking back to the time where (laughs) time and place and just mindset I was um, when I feel like conversations about how we move theater forward um, in terms of it being like an inclusive, a more inclusive space on all fronts. I think for me, I like to lead with empathy and um, conversation because I think in the past I like to put on a front that I knew everything and that um, I had everything together and speaking to your advice about self-care and reflection and all of those different things I think for myself I've really had to take a step back and really analyze like where 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 do I see myself fitting in as an artist where where do I want to essentially make change and have conversations and speak to my personal experience like as um as a person of color but also invite conversation and perspective from other people who are different than me and learn something from them and take a take take a step back and actually just listen so yeah but i think in a shorter i guess concise way that's kind of where i see myself um fitting into this huge puzzle um moving forward so yeah thank you for asking me that it's you know when you were saying all that i was like yes that that's it's kind of what you said like we thought we knew it all like what we what we both kind of just said is kind of seems to be like the definition of what the purpose of theater is Mm -hmm. now but we weren't really feel living it in our lives to the degree and the depth and the commitment and action that is starting to take place and so it's just thrilling to think what pe- what artists will do now that it, things are really cracked open in a way that has not happened in our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems like maybe since the '60s, all of the extraordinary work that came out of that, we're like ready. We're like getting into a renaissance of amazing work mm-hmm. and art. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Well, I have a couple of rapid fire questions for you. So the first thing that comes to your brain, please, please share them. So, okay. Okay. My first question is, what is your favorite project that you've ever worked on? 
My favorite project that I've ever worked on, I did with Rolando, oh. and it was the piece that introduced me to YAA. It was called I Am Harvey Milk, mm-hmm. and it's a piece that I've been working on for many years and many iterations, yes. and I did a version of Strathmore, and uh, it's a beautiful mosaic uh, about community. Yes, and I remember it, that. I feel like it happened around the same time that you did Children of Eden, right? Am I making it that was up? A- months after or a month afterwards ah okay okay yeah i remember hearing about that okay who is the person you look up to most whether it's an artist or not and why well as an artist Mm -hmm. uh a contemporary artist george c wolf uh is the director i i got into directing it was it was a it was a combination of these teachers talking to me and my experience uh seeing the original production of carolina change oh wow which he directed Mm -hmm. So, so much of my mind opening was, was in large part to him and to his body of work leading up to that and since. I also, I really look up to my mom mm. and uh, yeah, I'll leave it there. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. Well, this is your time, Noah, to plug yourself. Tell, tell me about your next project, where people can find you next and all of those different things. Yeah. There are two projects that I have this year that I'm really, really excited about. They are both shows that I did at Everyman that are coming to New York. Oh, okay. That, um, I directed there four and five years ago, respectively. One was a show called The Book of Joseph, which up until that point was the highest grossing show in Everyman's history. It's now called The Lucky Star. Mm-hmm. It is a play about a, a father and son unraveling a secret history of their family that was uh, silenced in Poland in the 1930s and 40s mm-hmm. and is an incredible ensemble piece covering 70 years of history and family and I'm really excited to revisit it being five years older. Mm-hmm. It will star one of the actors who did it at Everyman, Danny Gavigan, mm-hmm. alongside an incredible Broadway caliber cast and TV actors and a lot of uh, well-known faces that you know and it's a, it's a real gift to get to do a piece and then revisit it, which I've gotten to do a handful of times mm-hmm. and to look at something from another angle. And so I'm really looking forward to that. That's going to be at 59 East 59th Street Theaters. Uh, oh, it starts previews April 26th and goes till June 12th. It's a seven-week run. Okay. And uh, you can go to 59East59.org for tickets. That's a really extraordinary piece it's called The Lucky Star now. And the other piece is a musical called Los Otros, mm. uh, which is Spanish for the others. Mm-hmm. And it is a new musical by Michael John Lacusa and Ellen Fitzhugh. Mm-hmm. And that is also a show that I did previously and have continued to craft with the writers, have done two workshops since then. Mm-hmm. And that will be at Art New York in New York in September and October. Mm, okay. And so, uh, just feel very privileged that, yeah, another crack at these incredible pieces and to bring this piece to a larger audience in New York. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. if I'm in New York, I will definitely take, or honestly, if I'm not, I definitely want to take the trip to see them. Um, Thank you. Yeah. But it's just been so nice chatting with you and honestly reconnecting after all these years. This has been so great. Thank you for it. Yeah. So this is both myself, Ajima, and also Noah signing off from The Reprise. Bye, everyone. The Reprise is produced by Annie Fang, Jamie Joyen Waldorf, and Rachel Hahn, and hosted by myself, Adima Essien. 
We hope you subscribe and leave a rating on whichever platform you are listening to the reprise on. You can follow us at YAA alum on Instagram or visit www.yaa.org slash alumni to find out more information. Thanks for listening and we hope you tune in for the next episode of The Reprise.